0: So, we have come to the New Testament in our study of the wonderful counselor and his counseling sessions. Today, we are sitting in, we are overhearing his very one on one personal encounter with the woman at the well. This passage teaches us much about our Lord. It teaches us much about ourselves. And so let's pray that God would open this passage of Scripture to us. Father, we thank You for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank You for sending the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to show us Christ in the Word. So may we be open to the teachings of Your Holy Spirit today. That you would illuminate the word, that we might see Jesus in the word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The wonderful counselor met the woman at the well, and he made his divine diagnosis of her need and her problem. It is a need, it is a problem that many men and women have today. Her life was empty. She was apparently a smart, attractive woman. She had experienced much of life, and yet she was still empty. She had attempted in human relationships to meet the deepest need of her life, only to find that there was no man that could meet her need. As a pastoral counselor, I have learned that that is the case of many people. Married people come to me and they say, My problem is I'm married. (laughs) and single people come to me and they say my problem is I'm not married as if human relationships could meet the deepest needs of our lives now I have to say I am happily married my wife is not here playing the viola today because she's in New York City being a grandma today we have a happy marriage And yet we learned early on in our marriage that we could not meet the deepest needs in each other's lives. So Diane and I don't start our day with each other. We start our day with God. We're both in our Bibles and in our prayer time before we spend any significant time with each other. Hey, it makes it go better when we're together. (laughs) When we have already received a word from the Lord and cast our cares upon Him. Then we're ready to talk and to listen and to pray with each other. We have been blessed with six children and 14 grandchildren, and it's a wonderful thing, and we have hobbies. She has her quilts, and I have my motorcycle. We have lots of things that fill our lives and can easily distract us, But I want to tell you, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. I don't know if you've ever listened on Christian radio to the Unshackled radio program. I love it when they say this every program. If your life is empty, it can be filled to overflowing. And that was the message that Jesus brought to the woman at the well. Now, I just want to talk about this woman for a moment because she's gotten uh, very bad press. People get her mixed up with the woman caught in the act of adultery, as if it was the same woman or something. You say, well, she was married five times and the one she was with was not her husband. But what we know from history of this time was that women didn't divorce men. Women in those days were considered to be property to be disposed of by men who ran everything. This was a woman who apparently was a victim. I don't know how she lost her husbands by death or divorce, but this lady had found life to be very, very difficult. She lived in a small town. How many of you ever grew up in a small town? Yeah. I lived for a time with my grandparents in a small time in New York. And I remember the barber knew everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I went to high school there. And I came back 10 years later and got my hair cut and nothing had changed, you know. <laughs> it was all the same stories, same folks. Small town, live, everybody knows everything. And some of it's true. She lived in a small town in Samaria, and I'm sure pretty much everybody knew her story. She comes out to the well by herself in the heat of the day, and there she meets a Jewish man. And this Jewish man, of all things, tells her to do something that to her is inconceivable. He says, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. Well, she wasn't buying it. She right away reacts. She speaks up. And she says, how is it that you being a Jew, she could see that it was Jew. He was wearing Jewish clothes. They had a blue fringe on their garment. He was 100% Jewish-looking guy. And what in the world? Why was he asking her for a drink of water? Why generally Jewish men wouldn't drink from a Samaritan cup? And now Jesus crosses all the barriers and asks to drink water. How many of you ever travel in a third world country? Did you drink the water? You say I'm not. Oh, I don't know. This is what I drink when I'm in a third world country, (laughs) and I check the cab. I was in Jordan on a trip one time and they had bottled water kind of floating in this thing and I pulled it out and all the caps had been reattached you know And I was like oh boy I don't know if I want to drink that water is important to us isn't it and we don't like to drink out of dirty cups I was not here in North Carolina but in another state I went to a restaurant and they brought me a coffee cup that it still had lipstick on it. You know what I'm saying? And I knew it wasn't mine. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, I don't know whether I want to drink out of that cup or not. You know, most of us are pretty picky about what we drink. And Jews wouldn't drink out of Samaritan cups, but Jesus is ready to drink from a Samaritan cup. And this amazes her, because the things that are barriers to us are not barriers to Jesus. Now, aren't you glad that God loves you? But you know, God does not love you because of your ethnicity or your language or your culture or your nationality because he loves all kinds of people. He does not love us because of who we are. He loves us because of who He is. It is about His love. And Jesus blasts through all the paper barriers that divide people and reaches out in His tired humanity to the woman at the well, the Samaritan. He'd, he'd already told the story of the good Samaritan. That wasn't the way Jews generally talked. That's like talking about a good Yankee down south. It just doesn't seem to be words that go together. But uh, he spoke of the good Samaritan. The Lord Jesus did not let those barriers be a barrier to him. And what does he do? He moves the conversation very quickly to spiritual things now with Nicodemus he talks about being born again John 3 in John 4 at the well he talks about water he talks about water and he says to her uh, an amazing word in verse 10 if you knew the gift of God and who it is that, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus used an object lesson that was easily at hand, and he said, I want to talk about living water. If you knew, if you knew the gift of God, there's an if on that. If you knew the gift of God. He says to us today, do you know the gift of God? Do you know that most Christians, people who call themselves Christian in Christendom around the world, still don't know the gift of God? Why? They are working their way to heaven. That's why they're going to church. Well, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to go to church. They're working their way by good deeds by helping people, by being a good person, by staying out of trouble, by obeying the laws, paying their taxes, whatever it is. They're trying to work their way to heaven. But no matter what religion you are, if you're working your way to heaven, then you don't know the gift of God. The gift of God has already been spoken here. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The gift of God is Jesus. He's the gift. And when you have Jesus, you have <laughs> eternal life and you have the Holy Spirit. Everything that is good that comes from God is a gift. That is, it is free. It is not earned or deserved. By grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I remember sharing the gospel with a school teacher one day in her home, and she said, that's not right. She says, you mean you tell me that I, who have worked so hard to do the right thing and to help people all my life, but if I don't get saved by believing in Jesus, I'll go to hell, and some mass murderer who a minute before he dies asks God to save him he goes to heaven I said yeah that doesn't sound right at all does it but that's the truth what is it we're all sinners we're all sinners we all deserve hell but God has given us the gift of his son He has given us eternal life as a free gift. And you either receive it as a gift or you don't get it. You say, well, my daddy always said we don't take charity. Hey, if you don't take this charity, you're not going to heaven. If you're too proud for this, if you're too religious for this, If you are too much of a self-made Christian for this, you will not go to heaven because you either receive it as a gift or you don't get it. It cannot be earned or deserved or merited. If you knew the gift of God, do you know the gift of God? It is Jesus Himself. The second thing He says in verse 10, and if you knew who it is who says to you, Give me a drink. She had no idea. To her, he was a Jewish man. But praise God, her understanding grew so gradually. Gradually. Next, she's calling him Sir. Next, she calls him a prophet. Next, she calls him the Messiah. And by verse 42, she and the whole town are calling him the Savior of the world. It's amazing how her spiritual understanding opened up. A number of years ago, a chiropractor called me on the phone. He said, I was watching this preacher on television and I have a lot of questions He was brought up Roman Catholic up in North Jersey where I grew up. And and he came over to my office and we sat down and I shared the Gospel with Joe and, and he received Christ as his Savior. He had learned a lot of things right in the Catholic Church, but he didn't know how to be saved, how to receive the gift of eternal life. And when he heard the Gospel, it just confused all of his background in thinking but when he saw the word of God that salvation was a free gift in Christ he opened his heart and received Christ I had the pleasure of being his best man at his wedding that was interesting an Italian wedding in North Jersey and I was the best man I'll never forget (laughs) it it was an experience Remember one time I said to him, I said, Joe, I have a question I've always wanted to ask a chiropractor. Why is it that whenever you go to the chiropractor, he helps you, but then he wants you to come back every week for the rest of your life? He said, well, you want me to come to church every week for the rest of my life? (laughs) Uh, That's just for a spiritual adjustment. You know. Okay, I get it. Joe's a great guy but he came gradually. You know, sometimes you hear about these dramatic conversions. And you say, my life was not dramatic. In fact, I'm not really sure exactly when the light bulb came on. But it's just like birth, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. You know, it takes nine months to bring a a baby to birth, and then a whole life for growth and maturity. And so it is in our lives. Often God reveals one thing at a time, one step at a time. And when we're witnessing or helping other people, remember, it's often one little step at a time. I was playing golf with George Verwer one day, the founder of Operation Mobilization, and we were playing golf, and he said, you know, evangelism is like golf. How is it? If you keep hitting that ball enough times, it'll drop in the cup. You just have to keep hitting it. And if you have someone that you care about that doesn't know the Lord yet, perhaps caught up in religious activities and and all kinds of charitable things, and you say, will they ever understand? Keep praying. Keep living that life before them. Keep sharing truth with them. and, And God will gradually open their eyes, as He does with this woman who gradually comes to understand who Jesus is, if you had known who it is who says to you, give me a drink, what would you have done? You would have asked Him. And He would have given you living water. You have to ask. You have to ask. Why do we have not? Because we ask not. What did Jesus say? Ask and you shall receive. Some people want God to save them without them responding positively. But I don't understand all this, but He will not violate your will. He will not force His salvation on you. But if you open the door to your heart, Jesus will come in. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I'll have supper with him and he'll have supper with me. What a wonderful Savior. He never forces himself on anyone, but he offers himself. If we will ask, he will come in and give us that living water. What did Jesus say about this living water? Look at verse 14. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. This is not just a picture of a well that you drop a bucket down in, and if you threw dirt in there, it would just cover it up, and that'd be the end of the well. No, this is a, a well that springs up. How many of you ever lived in a house that you discovered was built over a spring? Anybody? It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Because you can do everything you want to cover that up and to, to keep that water from coming up under your house, but it's just going to bubble up, isn't it? It's. I have a friend of mine He's got a spring under his house and the water's flowing all the time. His sump pumps are burning out and all that kind of thing. It just, a spring is a way of just bubbling up. Jesus says, if I come into your life, I will not just be like a well of water, but I will be like a spring of water. And no matter how much dirt you throw on me, I'm going to spring up. I'm going to cleanse your life. I'm going to satisfy your deepest needs. When Jesus is in your life, He will bring that water of life to the surface of your life. She responds Padua, Look at 15. Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Does she get it yet? No. She doesn't get it. Like Nicodemus who was like, do I have to go back to my mother's womb? What? Why? Why? Not getting it, just thinking physically, just thinking materially. And that is how we generally think, isn't it? Jesus is not talking about H2O. He is talking about His eternal life in us. He's talking spiritual things, but she's still there thinking about, yeah, it is a real drag to come out here. Do you realize that most of the history of the world, women carried water? If you go to Megiddo in Israel, uh, one of the neatest things about the tell, uh, built and destroyed 22 times, based for James Mishner's book, The Source, uh, it's an ancient city site going back to big old times, one of the things you'll do is you'll go down those steps, way down under the ground into the bedrock, you'll go through a tunnel carved by hand through bedrock out to a spring where the water source of Megiddo was. And one of the weirdest things about that tunnel is is that it has a very high ceiling. Now, you don't make a tunnel any higher than you have to. I asked the tour guide, I said, why is the ceiling so high in this tunnel? He says, well, the women carried the water on their heads. Women carried the water. Do you realize that? In ancient times, the men were back doing important things like discussing politics, and the women were carrying the water. Yes. And this woman came out. She thought, that would be so nice to not have to run down here all the time to this well and carry all the water we need back at our household She's still not getting it, what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus decides to go deeper. He is the wonderful counselor. And just like a wise medical doctor who knows how to put his finger right where it hurts. Ouch! That's it, doc! So he puts his finger on the area of this woman's life that was most sensitive and most difficult for her. He says, go call your husband and come here. What does she say? Well, she's got it, you know, how do you talk about it when you've had five husbands and you're living with a guy that's not your husband? How do you explain that to people? How do you tell your story? Well, she's got it all figured out. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus is so gracious. He's so kind. He doesn't argue with her. He agrees with her. He says, well, that's true. That's true. You have correctly said, I have no husband. In this, this you have said truly. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Strangely enough, Jesus thinks there's a difference between husband number five and guy you're living with. But we won't go into the details of that. It's fascinating to me. But he says, you are right. You have no husband. Later on, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He had summed up her biography in those words. And all of a sudden, she knew that this man knew her secrets, her deepest life. And I want to tell you, Jesus knows all about you. He knows, he knows all about you. <laughs> he saw you under the fig tree. You know, he, everything is naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. He knows everything about us. And yet He is gracious to us. He loves us. He accepts us. He wants to come into our lives and fill our lives to overflowing. He knows the thirstiness of your life. He knows the emptiness of your life. He knows how you've tried to fill your life with all kinds of activities and stuff. You'll never realize how much stuff you have until you move. I've moved twice this past year. Uh, You know, it's just amazing. Why did we ever collect all that stuff? Why did we think that that would make us happy? You know, a new couch makes you happy for about a week. That's it. That's it, you know? I mean, think about all the stuff. And people try to fill their lives. And she had tried to fill her life. But only Jesus can satisfy your soul. What is this water that Jesus desires to fill her confused empty life with. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 the prophet speaks of this. Jeremiah 2:13 for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters to hew for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water. In Israel, in the Holy Land, water is essential. You must have water to do any farming. You must irrigate. And so it is. He says, I'm the fountain of living waters, but you've forsaken Me, and then you've dug cisterns, but your cisterns are broken. They seem to hold water, but then you go and look and it's empty. There's so many things people are doing today to fill their lives. With entertainment. We have more channels than ever before, don't we? We have more entertainments available in our home than ever before. More activities, more hobbies, more opportunities for filling our lives with all kinds of things. And yet, people are more empty than they have ever been. Why? Because they have forsaken the fountain of living waters, God Himself. And then the words of Jesus in John 7 37 just over a couple of pages from John 4 in John 7 and verse 37 now on the last day the great day of the feast John 7:37 Jesus stood and cried out saying If anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink For he who believes in Me, as the Scriptures said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in Him were to receive. When you believe in Jesus, Jesus comes into your life. But the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a Christian life. He gives you wisdom. He gives you discernment. He gives you understanding. He opens the Scriptures to you. He is your divine guide and teacher. The Holy Spirit now flows out of your life to be a blessing to others if you knew the gift of God. And who it is? who speaks to you, who asked you. You would have asked of Him. And He would have given you living water springing up to everlasting life. He says, go call your husband. And then she realizes He knows all about her. But she's got some questions. And if you ever try to witness to people, you'll get questions. Maybe you share the Gospel with a person that you care about. And then what do they say? Uh, Well, why are there so many different churches? Hey, do you have a lot of churches in this town? Man, you've got a lot of churches. You had to pass five to get here today, didn't you? Yeah, and you didn't come that far. It's amazing how many churches there are. And for this woman at the well, she's got some questions. She says, you know, our fathers worship on this mountain, uh, but you Jews say you should worship in Jerusalem. Where should we worship? And a lot of people, that's their big question. If only I could find the right church, then I'd be okay. What does Jesus say? Well, Jerusalem is the right place to worship, and salvation is of the Jews. But I'll tell you what, he says the most important thing is not where you worship, but who you worship. And how you worship. We hear today seeker worship. You heard about seeker worship? Seeker sensitive worship seeker focused churches what they do is they go out into the unsaved community and find out what unsaved people want and then they give it to them they want activities for the kids they want entertainment they want fun they want certain kinds of music then they give them to them with an idea of bringing them to church and what has happened now is we have worldly churches full of unsaved people very sad Who is the seeker in true worship? It is God the Father seeks such to worship Him. The true seeker in worship is God Himself. He is seeking worshipers. And He seeks them through the Gospel. Who is to be worshiped in the service? The unsaved person in the community? No. God is the audience. We are the performers, believer, priests. And what are we doing? We are offering the sacrifices of our praise to God. He is the seeker. He seeks such to worship Him. How does He desire to be worshipped? In spirit and in truth. Not merely in body. Not merely in soul. But in spirit. And spirit always deals with the deepest part of our lives. Paul wrote... In 1 Corinthians, that when the unbeliever comes into the assembly of believers, they will be convinced by all. They'll be convicted by all. And they will say that God is in your midst. When unsaved people come into a Gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church of people who are filled with the Spirit, they will be convinced and convicted by the Spirit of God. God will work in their lives. And He will put His finger on areas of sin and need in our lives. I am amazed at how God can take a Word that I prepare from the Bible and then individually tailor it to each person's need and problem. That is a spiritual work that God does when His Word is preached in faith. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Roman Catholic guy, he wanted to see inside our church building. I showed him around. He says, it's so bare. Where's the saints? I said, well, they come in about 10.30. Laughter. It's spiritual, spiritual worship. Spiritual worship uh, may not uh, make you high, okay? Uh, One person said, oh, I just want to feel electricity going all through my body. I was like, there's the outlet. Stick your fingers in there. You know, you'll get that. It's not a physical experience. It's spiritual. We worship Him in spirit and truth. That means we deal with holiness and we deal with sin. We see God as He truly is. We see ourselves as we are. And we repent of our sins. And we trust in the Lord. And our faith grows. Her understanding grows as we move forward. In verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. When He comes, He'll declare all things to us. She believed in the coming Messiah. And what a revelation it was in verse 26 when Jesus said, it's me. I'm that Messiah. I am the one that Moses said would come. I am the prophet that He would raise up. I am the anointed prophet, priest, and king. I am the Messiah. He's talking to you. I love it when she said a little earlier, she said, you know, uh, Jacob is the one that dug this well. Are you saying that you are greater than our father Jacob? I wonder what Jesus was thinking. I wonder if he was thinking, yeah, I remember Jacob. He was a pretty good wrestler. (laughs) him? Yeah, I knew him personally. Yes, a greater than Jacob is here. It is the Messiah himself. He has come. He is not merely the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Not just the Messiah of Israel, but the Savior <coughs> of the world. So, only Jesus can satisfy your soul Have you been digging broken cisterns that cannot hold water? Or have you opened your heart to Jesus who will come in and satisfy your deepest longings, meet your deepest needs, and be with you forever? You cannot ever lose him. You will never, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. What do we long for? We long for love. And His love is pure and perfect. We long for peace. And His peace is the peace that passes understanding. We long for joy. And His joy cannot be taken from us. He will meet your deepest needs. I don't know how people get through this life without Jesus. I'll tell you, if I didn't have Jesus, I think I would drink. All right, you know, people say, oh, these people always drinking. I'll tell you what, life is tough. Life is tough. I live right next to the ABC store. I see all that, you know, <laughs> coming and going. No wonder people are anesthetizing themselves in all kinds of ways, distracting themselves all the things that people are spending all their time and money seeking when in fact Jesus is the living water. He is the fountain of living waters and only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for satisfying my soul and the souls of those who know You here, we just want to say thank You. You have brought love and peace and joy that cannot be taken away to us in Yourself. I pray for those who do not know what it is to have Jesus in their life. I pray that You would draw them even now to that place where they would ask, where they would open their hearts to Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you do not know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ right where you are today. Would you just silently pray to the Lord as I did many years ago and receive Christ through faith? Just pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I am a guilty sinner, and I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose again. Jesus, I receive you into my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. Father, I pray for those who receive Christ today. And I thank You that You will never leave them nor forsake them. That You will be with them forever. In life and in death, You will be faithful. We thank You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Would you join me, please, in a prayer of dedication? In 1 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 12, Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. And he named the stone Ebenezer, saying, thus far has the Lord led us. Shall we pray? Father, as we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, to dedicate this wing, the educational wing of Wake Chapel Christian Church. I'd like to think of it as Ebenezer, thus far as you you have helped us, and Lord, as we look to the future we can glance back at the past history of this wonderful church, being grateful, Lord, that the gospel has been preached from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday. And we have every confidence, Lord, as we look into the future, that you're going to continue to bless this ministry as we are faithful in proclaiming your word. Lord, would you fill these rooms with teachers who love you and who have the ability to share the Word of God in a way that we, your children, weak and frail as we are, may understand. And Lord, would you fill these rooms with children, infants, teens, adults, and yes, those of us who are elderly, with a love for the Lord Jesus Christ and a desire to know your truth as it's taught in these classrooms. And then, Lord, it doesn't stop there. Enable us, I pray, to take this message to Fuquay, Verena, and the regions beyond. Today, this 21st day of January 2018, we dedicate these bricks, stones, mortar, everything that's gone into this facility, to your honor and your glory. And we praise you for what you have done. And we're excited, Lord, as you're going to move us into the future. We commit this building, we commit ourselves to you, for Jesus' sake. Amen.